0: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the TNG Golfcast. We've got another special episode for you guys this week. We've got another guest and we shall introduce him as Mr. Eric Walker. How are we doing, sir?
1: <laughs> good morning. Yeah, good, good. Glad to be here. Good, good. Looking forward to
0: the chat. So obviously we're just going to go through a bit of your uh, experience in the game and obviously your life in golf. It's quite a story. You've done yes, a bit. been an interesting 25 years. 25 years, fair play. Right, so obviously Gareth is here, but he's just editing this week. He, does, he doesn't want to talk. He's, I think he's hurt his throat for some reason. You've been out again on last night, were you? Right, <laughs> so let's start at the very beginning then. Who introduced you to golf?
1: Um, so golf for me um, came around when I was about four and a half years old, if I remember correctly. Um, my grandfather was the local police chief. In the Leavenmouth area, and uh, he was an avid golfer—not a very good golfer, but an avid golfer. Aren't we all? Yes. Yeah. um, He was. He was great at do as I do. Well, do as I say, but not as I do. Um,
0: That's most people that he could tell uh, me what to do. The military base.
1: Yeah, he was. He was very good at that. And he cut down a set of Dunlop irons when I was a kid, and took me down to the local park, King George V Park. the weekend of the coronation. So uh, yeah, that's <laughs> what it was. And we just used to hit golf balls and there was a there was a football pitch on one side and then a kind of smaller kind of bit on the other. And there was a little bit of concrete in the middle, which was exactly a hundred yards. And he, I think I managed to hit it hundred yards when I was six. Show off. Um
0: yeah, so that was when it happened and yeah. So I've got a lot to thank my granddad for, to be honest. Cool. So obviously that takes you up to the age of six. At what point did you start taking it really seriously then? So we joined, um, leaving Thistle Golf Club when I was
1: seven, um, which was quite funny because in those days, uh, you had to be eight years old, um, but because my granddad was the local police chief, he used a little bit of authority and just told them that I was joining. So they broke um, the law? They, yeah, broke the club's <laughs> law, and he paid, and, and, and this is ironically, this, at seven years old, it was £19 uh, to join the club, and I was interviewed by then the secretary with my grandfather there, who was Jim Scott, who was a local school teacher. He was the secretary and the committee were there. And this is in the day before golf clubs were desperate for members. Uh, you were interviewed, you had to have someone to first and second you into the club. Uh, it was strange times, you know, you think about what happened back then to now. At the age of seven. At the age of seven. Dry. You know, I, I didn't know what was going on. I was just kind of wanting to play golf. And, and one of my first experiences at, at, at leaving was playing golf with then legend, and still legend to be fair, down there, Jim White, mm-hmm. um, and Sandy Herd, who was one of the, he was the secretary of the Lynx at the time, he was a school teacher, uh, a math teacher, and they took me out at seven years old, and from that experience, Jim was, I think, Jim hit a seven iron into the sixth hole at leaving, and for those of you who have not played it, it's almost 600 yards into the wind, <laughs> and he hit a seven iron into the green, and I remember just being in awe of this guy. Um Uh, at the time, and just thinking, I want to do that, you know, so, it was probably that whole experience, that very early experience, that just made me think, right, I want to play golf, and it's been a passion in my life, and my father was a sportsman, he was a footballer, played at a pretty high level, won the Scottish Cup at amateur level with three teams, I think, Um, you know, had some time at Aberdeen when he was 18, so he was a good player, but he was never a, he was never a golfer, uh, and still isn't a golfer, um, He's sensible. He walks without golf clubs, uh, <laughs> so not like us.
0: I can relate to that now. Yeah, not so much the walking part either, really. So, you're then at seven. You're now a member of leaving. What was your first sort of handicap? Where did you? What was your level starting at? I, I didn't get a handicap till I was. I think it was. I was nine when I got a handicap,
1: um, and I got twenty-three. I always remember that. I didn't get twenty-four. I got twenty-three. Most <laughs> days, the highest you would get was twenty-four. So it was quite interesting to get 23. I've no idea what I scored. I can't remember. Um, but I shot 20, uh, 23, but I then went up to 24, which at that time was quite tough. I think I was about 11 when I went to 24, and there was a lot of juniors at that time. And we used to have inter-club matches against uh, Montrose, Canoose St Andrews Golf Club, um, Money Faith. We had all these inter-club matches, and I was the highest on the team. And I, I took such a slagging for it. And I guess there was a bit of motivation in there um, to get better. And then I had, I'd had i hurt my knee when I was about 12 or 13. I was at high school. I had a bad injury on my knee, which I missed a whole summer of golf, which destroyed, you know. Moving forward, I think that was about, yeah, I must have been 13. And then in 95, I played a full season, when I went from 16 to 5 in a season. And I won everything at the golf club. Literally won, I think I won like 13 events. And at the prize given that year, it was um... it was like Tigers Major Hall on the table.
2: <laughs> um,
1: it was have me fourteen at that point in time, fifteen something like that. And yeah, at at that point, I ended. Up, I won the junior club championship a couple of times, and I got the fortunate gift for that, or a kind of reward of carrying for Brian Barnes later in that year. At leaving, he played an exhibition match with a club champion one of my captain, I think at the time, and I carried for him for 18 holes, and it was probably, as a kid, probably the best experience of my life, he had just won the British Senior Open at Royal County Down, flown over on the Sunday night, and he played the Monday, it was a holiday Monday.
0: And that must have been some insight. He he
1: was just, I mean obviously the life he's lived, um, with his, his father-in-law being Max Faulkner, some of the stories he was telling us about when he won the Portuguese Open, drunk, and they had a fight in the clubhouse, and he got, got hit back before golfers were happens. hit by the trophy. So if you go to the Oceanic Club in Victoria, in Portugal, and look at the trophy; it's got a, a ding in the side of it. That was Max Faulkner hitting Brian Barnes over the head with the trophy, <laughs> which is just brilliant. And um, he he was an amazing guy, and he uh, what sticks in my head that day was he had a fifty eight degree wedge, a Silver Scott. Told me i'm a silver scott 58 degree wedge i'll never forget it and he said i got that for using it in the open i didn't use it let's try it this week and he hit it four times and the four times he hit it he hit it to about two feet every time three for birdies one for a parrot at the last i just remember being the honest oh, guy and he at the end of the day he didn't pay me any cash which i was absolutely fine with <laughs> he picked all these clubs out of the bag and took his waterproofs out and he gave me the rest so all his his bag, his golf balls, his gloves, his tees—everything he gave him the whole lot, which I've still got. There was a few people on the on the mutual looking for a glove here and there. But, uh, that that
0: no, no offers from the <laughs> other older members looking for the bag. Yeah, there was a
1: few people, but um, that experience then was probably one um, that really—and you can see because of the detail going—it just stuck in my head. And, yeah. Brian was an amazing guy. He'd done the Q&A after it. He didn't drink it anymore. It was a, a lime and soda. Um, and he beat Jack Nicholas twice in one day. You know, there's not many people who can say that. And, and not a lot of people know that. In the Ryder Cup, he beat them twice in one day. and uh, That's the talent of the Brian. He just didn't achieve it at a global scale. Maybe because he, he was fond of a beer too much. But
0: there's a lot of stories like that in this country, I'm sure. You're not wrong there, mate. So at that age, 14... Would you say that was when you maybe sort of shifted towards this idea that this is it now, golf is where I want to I wanna be involved in all the time and yeah. turn pro? And... So
1: at that point in my life, my mother used to have a hospitality company, uh, Donald Walker Associates. Um, so she was heavily involved in golf, hospitality, rugby, football. And I used to do, you know, at Scottish Open, Dunhill, I would stand there and hand programs out as a kid. So golf was always kind of in the forefront of my life. And then she was part of the team that set up what then was called the Old Course Experience, which is now called the Experience at Andrews, um, back in 94, I think it was. So around the same time as this all happened, and golf was kind of in, in my life all the time, constantly. And uh, my coach then, who was the pro at Burnt Island, Jackie Montgomery, Jackie was really keen on me to push, push on and, and do more. He kind of said to me, you know, you've got a lot of skill, a lot of talent, you, you could do more with it. And... Um, I mean, he'd said that to me, I was kind of like, right, I need to push on with this, and kind of late 97, I was working for the Lynx Trust, actually, in the Lynx Clubhouse um, that summer, and in the 98, and Jackie said, listen, I'm moving to Dunbar, Paul, who's his assistant, is going to become the head pro, there's an assistant's job for you if I want it, and I, and I, I took it with both hands, I thought it was a great opportunity, and... (laughs) <laughs> My mother wasn't very happy because I went from actually having quite a good job in the Lynx Trust. I was earning, at that time, good money as a mm. 17-year-old and had a good job and I'd done the odd day for her as well. I did a bit of caddy and just, general, just dog's body, but because um, her office at that time was in the clubhouse. A lot of people don't know that. It was down where all the carry cars and power trolleys are in the Lynx Clubhouse. That's where the office, originally just started. Um, so, yeah, and then it was a case of, like, gonna turn pro and I did. And I went from earning you know, three hundred pounds a week to ninety pounds a week and travelling to St Andrews to Burnt because at that time I stayed I stayed with my girlfriend in St Andrews. So that was fun. Trying to get up at five in the morning, get a bus to Guard Bridge, get a train to Burnt Island and then walk from Burnt Island train station to the golf course, which is about two miles. And I've done that for quite a commitment. Some yeah. yeah. So
0: obviously you're now at Burnt Island you obviously assistant pro there. What did turning pro look like for you? What was the... P- involved? So, I,
1: my handicap, I think at that point in time, I turned pro for point nine. I think it was point nine. I think I got to scratch just after I'd sent my stuff away to the PGA. But I was point nine, so I had to do my playability test, mm-hmm. um, which I believe they still do. Um, and it's a bit of a strange one, the playability test. You've got to shoot plus 16 or better. Oh, sorry, plus 14 or better, which... Uh, You gotta remember guys that turn pro in the PGA are off maybe four handicap I think's the limit for guys and and six for for girls. And plus fourteen should be achievable but when you're doing that in early April on three little golf courses that you've never played before I don't one of my friends tried to do it at West Lothian and I don't know if you've played West Lothian but it's a stunning golf course, it really is. But it's so short and quirky that you could you could make four or five doubles hit good shots because the wind's so exposed. And one of my mates, he shot 90 in the first round of his playability test. So, and you're nervous as well. You know, you're not thinking about shooting the score. You're
0: trying to just not shoot a high score. Yeah. But I was quite lucky. You're more focused on the target instead of just playing golf. Yeah,
1: and it's tough because you're just, you're 18 and you're, you know, you're, you're confident but you're not assured, I think is probably the correct word. So,
0: plus 14 is maybe a bit. It's, a a, help then it's hard, you, you yeah think it is it They're just maybe. looking
1: for, for guys who've got some form of golf ability But really if you're, if you're going down the PGA route Really, the golf's the last part of it that you're after It's just to see that you can actually play the game And that you're not, you know, you've got some ability and I, I shot 71-72 at Falkirk Triest. Um And I cruised round. I really enjoyed my experience um, It's probably the last time I could admit that I wasn't nervous on the golf course um, I was quite a confident guy back then but um, one of my friends he failed it several times I won't say his name, he's a good lad he's a pro Bill now. um now <laughs> um, Scott I'll not say his name but I'll drop where he works <laughs> <laughs> Scott, Scott hit 6-iron, six 6-iron, six 6-iron six up the last at, at Falkirk Troist and I think he 2-putted for 5 he did a 6 or better to get in and he and he hit 3-irons up the hole and, and, and made his bogey and walked off and You could argue it was a bit of a defending thing to do, but he'd done what he'd done to get the job done, so uh, I respect him for that. Got it over the line. But, you know, done that, and then... Had a few issues on my training, a few things here and there, but, um, yeah, eventually, uh, working under Paul Vertronjic, who's the pro at Burnt Island, uh, who I can say is just one of my favourite people in the world. Um, Paul is still the pro at Burnt Island now, He started working at Burnt Island in 1995, I think, or 96, and he's still there. He's now kind of director of golf, and he had a huge influence on my professional golf life. He helped me massively, and uh, I've got a lot to thank him for, and he encouraged me to play. So when I was ready to play about kind of 2004, 2005, I I was quite experienced then. I'd I'd done a bit of travelling to to pro-arms all over the UK and Ireland. Um I was lucky to have some friends who who had a few quid and were quite happy to enter these programs and it was quite good fun. Um and most of these programs these guys were challenged to our players that were playing them. So we had some fun experiences there over in Ireland. Um they used to have before the crash in kinda oh of seven, 08, they used to have two or three dozen three or four day programs over there and they were big money at that time and uh they were good fun to play in. Did you but win any? I didn't win any. Um, I think one of my problems was I was. I loved. I loved playing the game. I found it really difficult to take my drive range game. To the golf course at times, and. I, 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 you know, for someone who's always been quite confident, I always got quite nervous in those events. And one of the other problems as well was the guys I was with, who I still loved a bits.
0: I did like a Guinnessy and yeah we are in the country where alcohol does tend to uh, yeah. not mix well with a lot of people's aspirations
1: I remember one of the days coming back from whatever event it was we were, in. we're staying, in a, staying in a village called Bray which is just south of Dublin and I remember coming back up the stairs and we'd had a few Guinnesses this evening and I won't say the guy's name but he was like <laughs> the bedroom door was wide open and he liked to carry a lot of cash, You know, he was one of these cash guys, and uh, you could hear him snoring from the elevator, which was (laughs) about 60 yards away from the room, maybe more, and I'm thinking, that sounds like, uh, that sounds like, um, so I'm walking along the corridor and uh, there he is lying there, he'd obviously been counting his money, but falling asleep whilst he'd done it, so there was several thousand pounds lying on his chest with the door wide open, and that was kind of the experiences of these pro-arms, they were just a little bit, because they weren't really official events, so to speak, they were just pro they became quite social. And I think it was a good thing to play in them, it was a great experience, but because it was social... not but... feel about them, maybe. Yeah, I was a bit of a social butterfly in those days as well, so it was a bit...
0: I was kind of easily influenced, so to speak. So,
1: yeah. So we'll jump back a wee bit yeah. then,
0: so obviously... Done your pro yeah. course and that. So, what did you learn then as an assistant pro at Burnt Island that you could take with you even um, working with I learned.
1: Like I learned to stop and think. I was. I was really bad. I was really bad at acting first, thinking second. Really bad. And I don't. And I, I. that's a little bit of a trait from my mother, I think, at times. Although she's much better now. Um, was I? Uh, I would. I would be re- reactive and do stuff. And then I'd be like, oh, that was the wrong thing to do. And that would be on the golf course or in the pro shop. I was too quick to try and get stuff done and not sometimes do it properly. And Paul was brilliant at, like, think about what you're going to do. Take a deep breath. Think about things. And I was always adamant. I was always adamant I was right. I was typical of probably, we can all probably say that when we're on our, Yeah. you know, 18 Com- to 25, arrogant, you were just, a bit, yeah. you know, you knew everything, um, but you didn't actually know anything. Um, and, and I, I learned a lot to to listen listen more I was I was really bad <laughs> and now now I'm probably the complete opposite and I'm, I'm not as reactive as I used to be at all I'm, I'm, I'll sit in the corner and listen to everything first before I have a point to make I won't you know and that even goes from a social media standpoint now I was terrible in the past I need to have that one sometimes And I see people on social media and there was a situation on Friday, um, I won't go into that, where people just say things and and I used to be that person and now I won't do it. Um, You kind of, as you get older, I think, and and that was one of the things I can say that Paul taught me and as a a grew as a pro. But what I did learn um, was, you know, how to run a pro shop, how to be good with your staff. I think in a pro shop, staff are so important and if you look after your staff, then your staff are going to hugely benefit you back. And that was what well, Paul, and to be fair, Jackie in front of him was very, very good at doing. Um, you know, had good influence by those guys. And then worked with some good assistants. Um, you guys will maybe know Mark Anderson, a leaving. Good player, he's won the club championship like seven times down there. But Mark's... I'm terrible with um, yeah. <laughs> it. Yeah. Probably know if I bumped into him. But... Mark worked with us for six months, one summer. I think it was 2001. And he's my best mate. It was, it was terrible because we just... We were a terrible influence of each other, but as a as a summer working with your best mate in a pro shop, we had some laughs in that pro shop and uh, uh, yeah, some fun experiences. And then Chris McGowan, Chris is now in Canada. He's got his own teaching school in Canada, and he's arguably one of the top coaches in North America. Never mind just Canada itself. He is hugely talented coach and. A guy who, when we first met, we'd never really kind of, we kind of logged heads a little bit. I think it was maybe a competition thing between us. He shot 61 at Thornton. I was club champion that year. And I think I was a little bit threatened by him when he came in. But I actually learned this, this was probably the maturity is I learned to listen to him more because actually he was really smart, really clever, really switched on. And he was the, I think he was the, the, highest qualified pro in Scotland and uh, he was second in the whole of the UK at that that time. So sometimes you just gotta sit back and absorb some of that, eh? And, yeah, so
0: you gotta sort of get rid of your own ego and yeah. and then use that as an opportunity to become a sponge and learn from him what he does that we absolutely you not doing and,
1: and, and in those point. days I, my ego was terrible. I, I was really bad for I don't know why I was like that, but it was it was Chris was great and you know, a little situation where, if I fast forward to 2020, where COVID's hit and I'm in my, my garden, I had real short game issues 2015 onwards. Never really addressed them, kind of just nursed it around. And I said to Chris one day, I said, can you help me with my short game because it's awful and it looks like we're all going to be in our back garden for, you know, it could have been 10 years we thought at that time. Fortunately, it was only three months. But And we FaceTimed, you know, Maybe 20, 30 times over that period, and most of it was with a beer in her hand, you know, in the garden at that time doing short game practice. And he helped me massively to a point where my short game actually now is—it won't be back to what it was, but it, it's certainly it's a lot better. It's it is reliable now. Uh, touch wood.
0: I think that's all we can ever wish for. <laughs>
1: yeah, but um, yeah, I think that 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 period with Paul was great. He he helped me massively. Let me understand the business and. He's a qualified accountant as well, so that helped um, getting that side of it from him. And he he was great. And, you know, I, I can't thank him enough for what he done for us. I say us because it was Chris and I at a time. And he's now got Craig Armstrong, who's a good little lad working for him. He's been working for him for, what, 13 years now. Um, And I worked with Craig for a few years. And, uh, yeah, it was good. I played a little bit then. I won the... Uh, Won a couple of pro-arms, uh, won the Scottish Alliance Championship
0: at Money Feath, kind of 2006. So I was going to say that, did yeah. you find that you still had time to sort of improve your own game and get out and play while you were...
1: I always wanted to all play. Your duties also I always... Remembered. Playing was always at the forefront of my mind. I mean, I would, you know, <laughs> work as quickly as I could to get stuff done so we could get that shop shut, so we could get out and play nine holes and, you know... Sorry, Paul, we did close out early sometimes. <laughs> uh, but he had to, I'm pretty sure he knew that anyway. Um, I'm sure he'll send you the bill for hours. <laughs> <it's not working. laughs> to be fair, we never done it on the bad. It was always kind of like Friday nights and Sunday nights we would we would try and get
0: out in the golf course. Where yeah, the rest of the country was in the pub.
1: Yeah, we would we would be out playing. And uh, we had some great times with the members. We used to play a lot of golf with the members. Uh, old guy Don West, bless his soul, he's no longer with us. But Don would play... He would play nine days a week if we could, if he could do it, and we would play lots of golf. And uh, yeah, I, I was, I was always wanting to challenge myself. I think one of the things I'll always say is that I, I, I maybe wasn't the best. I probably could have been if I had a little bit more application. I was naturally talented, had a natural golf swing, hit the ball, good, hit it a very, very long way in those days. But I maybe didn't apply myself enough. I wasn't hard enough working, and I see that now when I see. How hard these young players work now, whether it be on and off the golf course in a gym. I was never that type of person. I couldn't, I couldn't have seen myself doing they, that.
0: They've got to be that devoted to it now, though, because to get if if their end game is to get on the tours, whichever one it is, be it the PGA, the DP World, or even the ones underneath. Even at that level, you've got to be so fine-tuned as an athlete on your game and in yourself physically to even be able to succeed in it.
1: Couldn't agree more, and I think what these players need to look at as well and um it's not just hitting the golf ball, but when you're looking at trying to get support from sponsors and endorsements and golf companies, they're looking for guys who fit the part, you know, they're doing the work off the golf course, they're social media savvy, they know what to say, they're not they're not too outspoken about things that they don't they shouldn't really have an opinion on anyway, although everyone's entitled to their own opinion. And it's it's not just about hitting a golf ball, although Hitting a golf ball is how you become better. It's the full package. <coughs> and certainly in the day, I I, I I was probably too outspoken. Probably wasn't hardworking enough. But hindsight's a wonderful thing. I wouldn't change anything because it, 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 I, th- I had some great experiences. And we, we travelled, you know, with Euro Pro Tour. I played some Challenge Tour. And, you know, I was remember my first Challenge Tour event at... at um, up at Abbey Moor at Spey Valley. And, uh, you know, I played a practice round with a couple of guys that Peter Whiteford had suggested. He got me a sponsor's invite that day and he said, play with these guys, two very good players. And I went out and I played great practice round. I actually played great and the two guys, we went for dinner that night and said, listen, keep doing what you're doing, you'll, you'll, you've got a chance this week. Um, and I went to bed and I woke up <laughs> very nervous Signed a couple of autographs in the first tee, which was pretty cool at the time. And we had in our notes, which was always quite funny if the wind's off the east, it's 3am, it's driver, and if it's off the west, it's 3am. I don't know if you've played the first at Spay Valley, but it's a short four with a saddle at about 300 yards. And if you get driver down there, you can kind of bound it up close to the green. Easterly wind just helps, you know, sling one a little bit. Yeah. Whereas the westerly, it's a tough one because you don't want to miss it right. And I've said to Gary, who was carrying for me, uh, Three Wood. And he's like, that's no in the notes. So
0: you just went totally off. And I'm like,
1: you need to give me Three Wood. It's no driver. It's Three Wood. And ironically, at that point in time, Peter Whiteford's walking up 18. And 18 and one parallel each other. And I've hit Three Wood, and I've absolutely smoked this thing. Absolutely ripped it. About 70 yards right. And it's flown over Peter's head. And went straight (laughs) into the River Spey. Which, if for anyone who's played Spay Valley, are probably saying that's not even in play, and I th- that three would probably went about three ten in the year sixteen years ago, and uh,
0: just I just I just
1: thing. remember Peter could kind of, he's he's looked at the ball going over his head, and then his head's dropped and he's shaking his head almost like oh my god what was that, and I started with a double, and then I doubled the next, and we got the next team just where what Carrie carry says listen let's the par 5 let's just relax settle down we've got a couple of par 5s a short par 4 let's try and get it out and you know let's at least make a birdie let's try and get it out to the turn and no more bogeys he was saying all the right things and doing all the right things you know nine's a good chance as well and then we'll build on the back 9 you're playing good golf just relax he says or oh, before you know it you're going to be 9 over two 9 and this tournament's going to be done so, great chat from Gary. And I got to the ninth, a huge drive to 9, just pin high, chipped it on to about 3 feet and tapped it in. And uh, to go 9 over through 9, <laughs> uh, the golf was completely done. And uh, yeah, I, and from that day, that's when the nerves just destroyed me in the golf course. Do
0: you think the two lads the night before knew what they were doing, feed into your ego?
1: No, I, 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 maybe. Make it, making it. Yeah. No, listen, they, were, they, were two, they, listened, they, they played European Tour, those boys. I, I wish I could remember their names, but it was a long time ago. Um They were they were two fantastic guys and they said all the right things, they were really good, they were asking lots of questions and like I was. But sometimes it just doesn't happen for you, eh? And sometimes nerves can work two ways. I had a really bad case of nerves that used to make me flat. Not not shaky. Shaky nerves helped me. But flat nerves just destroyed me and I and I hated that feeling. And it's and I don't know if you guys have ever had it on the golf course, desperate to play, desperate to play, get on the first tee and would rather be somewhere else. Yeah. It's a horrible feeling. It really is. I, I went had it yesterday. It. <laughs> it's a horrible feeling. And you know, I'm sure there's a lot of golfers out there who have experienced that. And I'm sure there's a lot of golfers at the highest level that experienced that. Yeah, I'd imagine it affects all levels, as you say. But you, Almost that kind of moment was that horrible feeling of, I'm not good enough in my head. And I, it was a horrible thing to think of at the time. I really struggled a little bit after that. But.
0: Yeah, you won't be the only person that's ever had that. Sure, <laughs> yeah. Not just in golf, in all areas of life, Yeah, you get those voices. So you'll not be alone on that one, pal. Right, we'll stick with the golf courses. You said earlier you like to challenge yourself. Yeah. What would you say was your biggest challenge that you've taken on the golf course? or
1: undertaking? The biggest challenge I've taken... Um, so, you can answer that in many different ways because it could be one shot, one round, one event. Uh, I mean, I had a situation that I think I maybe mentioned it to you in 2013. Open qualifying at uh, thats what I was aiming. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, open qualifying at Brunswick Links, which I'd never played before. And I remember playing a practice round the Sunday before the Monday of the qualifying, and the uh, steward coming out. I went over at 5 in the morning, you weren't supposed to be there until 8 o'clock, I didn't know that, I went over, quite nervous, and the guy said, oh, it's okay, on you go, don't worry about it, there was no pro there at the time, because it was far too early for a pro on a Sunday morning, <laughs> um, and uh, I went in, I played 18 holes in about two and a half hours and I came off, and the guy had a coffee and a bacon roll for me when I came in, which was just brilliant. So we sat and had a blather. I picked these brains about the golf course, had a coffee and a bacon roll, and away I went, and I came back the next day, and I shot one under, um, which was playoff, and it was a 13-man playoff for three spots, so it was a five-ball, a four-ball and a four-ball, and it was chaos, I mean, it took it took an hour for the three groups to play the first hole, and um, it was hilarious, and it was nuts.
0: So, was it like a knockout format? As so, you basically, the cut on that hole, you know, it wasn't you, a three hole play. Well, the, right? well, yeah, it
1: was a strange format. I, I don't know if they still do this, but you all had to complete the first. And then, if eight guys made four and five guys made five, the five guys that made five are out. And the guys that made four moved on, which is the correct format. Yeah, but, knockout, basically. Yeah, but when there's 13 of you, it's just chaos. So, anyway, I've got it to the. There's now three of us playing for one spot two guys are through, eight guys are sitting in their car, raging at themselves, and it's the ninth, is it the ninth? Yeah, the ninth hole, the old ninth hole in Brunsfield, Lynx, which goes round the corner, quite a sharp dog leg, it's not long, it's about <clears> 3.30, and I've just flat duffed a five iron of tea. I've hit it, I don't know, 140 yards, and it's only went 140 yards because it's downhill to that point, and my carry Jim's just shaking his head and going off, you know, Fuck, you know, what we're gonna do now. So I walked up and he's plonked the bar down and I'm looking at him and he's looking at me and I'm I'm looking at him going, How far have we got anyways? I don't know. You know, I'm like, well, let's find <laughs> out, hey eh? And at this point, because of the playoff and because of the time, there's actually quite a big crowd there and I'd hate to guess, there would be a couple of hundred people there anyway. I mean, it's in the middle of Edinburgh. And We've walked back and forward. I mean, this is taking an age. I mean, this is Patrick Cartley pace, this stuff, this, you know. Um, maybe even slightly slower. Jim says, I think we've got about 190. And I was like, right, okay. He said, but actually, I don't think you can hit your 5 um over those trees. It's too they're too close. And these trees were like 100 foot high trees. And I'm like, what do you think? And the wind was across, it wasn't helping. And I says, well, what if I hit it long right? Like, aim right and try and sling it. And try and make four from the end. And he, he said, Oh, I don't know. He said, I think you are going to make three. I think somebody's. We're playing. Graham Rankin was one of the pros. He was a really good amateur at the time, well, in his day. And I can't remember the iron lad. And I've said to Jim, Right, like, give me six iron, and I'll just hit it as hard as I physically can on that tree that you've said. And he's like, Okay, good luck. <laughs> That's what he said to me. And Jim, Jim's a great guy, right? But he's just. <laughs> Dead pan. Yeah, good luck. And he, we had some laughs when he carried him. i have hit 6 iron and I've, I've just washed it. it. It couldn't have come any better. And it's finished about 6 inches for the hole and the other guys have hit it a little bit away for the hole, 20 feet, 25 feet and I guess my shot had a bit of an influence on their shots. And honestly, <laughs> I thought I could mess that part. I actually thought I could miss the ball, I was so nervous over it and I, I mean, it was tiny, it was like so tiny, and I, and I tapped it in, and uh, I was buzzing, and the captain of the club said to me at the time I'm going to get a plaque put there I think he'd got a little bit above his station at the time because <laughs> it was quite, it was just quite, I think with everything that had gone on that day he just got quite above his station, I think he'd had a few whiskies in the in the clubhouse and stuff, but uh, yeah, it was quite an amazing day and, and I went to Dunbar Final and qualifying, but I'd actually between that played Muirfield um, 2013 when Mickelson won it, and that's when it was like what a summer that was, you know. But when I played the course about three weeks before the Open, I played great and I finished 3 3 3 at Muirfield, which would be worth a fortune to anybody in an Open. And Jim got us a night stay at Archerfield Lynx because his company had a corporate membership down there, so I was like, this is great, this is the perfect preparation. And it just didn't quite happen for me. I got two poor starts at Dunbar, and I missed out by not much, three or four shots, I think. But again, yeah, nerves just beat me. Um, and I and I got a little bit put off by playing with a guy from the UAE who was hitting at about three sixty. Um, and I remember the first hole, walking to his ball, think it was mine because we were both playing Taylor Mades at the time, and Jim going, oh. Where are you back, going, son? Back here, big man. <laughs> 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 and this Emirati guy just hitting it. For those of you who have played Dunbar, he. The par five, I think it's the ninth over the big saddle down the way. He had 60 yards left of the green. I've, I didn't even know it was possible to get a ball down there. I think he hit it about 4 10 in the air. It was just. It was slightly downwind. It was just ridiculous how far he hit it. Um. But then his driver went off, so I thought they kind of back to our level again. But. No, I had a great experience then. Uh, I got through to final qualifying in 07 as well at Carnoustie at Monifieth. And I had a love affair with Monifieth. I won at Monifieth. I should have got through all qualifying at Monifieth. that wasn't for a couple of bad breaks, really bad breaks. And then I got disqualified leading a tournament at Monifeth. Um When they were taking the trees, they were cutting all the trees down. There used to be a tree-line golf course, one of yeah. these, back in the day, and they were cutting all the trees down, and mm. the PGA had given a little bit of paper that said, I might be able to remember it word for word, areas where there are tree stumps, or tree stumps have been removed, will be considered ground under repair, or abnormal wind conditions, please stay So, we got to 18, and I'd never taken a drop all day, I'd had it great, we got to 18, and I was... Three under, I think four under. It was a pretty, pretty wild day, and I played really good. And I had it down the right. I had it quite a bit right, to be fair, because I knew from the right you could still make birdie. And the, there used to be ghost down the right-hand side as you walked to the Ashwoodie, and they'd been removed. I was playing with Craig Donnelly at the time. I can't remember who the other guy was. And it wasn't a question whether it was GUR or not. It was just a question whether we thought I was in it or not. So we went over and we all agreed unanimously that yeah, you're entitled to the leaf, Eric, that's in the G U R. So I took the leaf. I didn't gain any advantage at all. I pitched it on the green, missed the birdie putt, walked in. And uh was sitting in Wales Green Range, about two hours later and got a phone call from Michael McDougall at the time and he just said, Did you take the leaf from here? Yeah and he said, Oh that was that's gorse, that wasn't trees. That's said about it was stumps you know, the rules, and he went, yeah, but it's tree stumps, not golf stumps, and I'm like, well, I'm sorry, Michael, but the entire golf course is like that, gorse and trees, so I certainly want to be the only one, he went, well, yeah, I, I agree with that, but you're the one, someone seen from the clubhouse, they've
0: said to him, there's always prying eyes on him,
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it was a player, I don't
0: know who it was, it doesn't matter who it was,
1: um, and he said, that it, it's not gush stumps, you should have asked, and I said, well, Michael Wee. You came,
0: you came to an understanding with the players yeah. you were playing with, yeah. all in agreement.
1: And there was no advantage gained. And I think retrospectively now the rules changed. I would have been able to just two shot penalty and they would have signed for one under as opposed to three yeah. under. But at that time, all he could do was disqualify me for an incorrect score. So it's fine. It happens. It's, again, it, it, it's plenty of life's rich tapestry as golf, but it was good fun. Not <laughs> not, really yeah, not really, no, no I was no. an angry man after that I, I can guess, imagine Yeah.
0: Right, so we'll take a wee break there from yourself, Eric no problem. because we've got a very special guest with us as well because we are now comfort- uh, very comfortably sat inside the Five Golf studio here in the Keaton and we have with us the owner, Michael How are you doing, pal?
2: Not bad, good morning, welcome to the studio
0: Yeah, so talk us about this place then because obviously we we'll have taken a few photos that we'll put up yeah show us show for
2: so, this, this has kind of been born off the bad weather in Scotland. And bad we are. weather
0: in Scotland? Yeah.
2: Never. <laughs> yeah, my, I'm a member of Aberdour, which a lot of the inland courses around here just instantly get shot by the weather. So it's a great golf course there. Yeah, I love it. So I've been there six years now. I
0: must say, I've, I've played it twice, and it still, for me, has the two best opening yep. holes you can have I'm on just a golf course. Draw you. They will be oh, They're great fun, the views, but. Unfortunately, I can't see anything but water.
2: I know there's <laughs> a green normal. and
0: a flag somewhere there, but I can't even see you now. that a
2: Shanky. I know. Uh, it's a uh, it's certainly one that can ruin your round before you get started in the first two. But hundred percent, love them.
0: So you are obviously victim to poor weather in this yeah. area, and the courses don't always stay open.
2: And then this was something I started looking at it more for the house. Is there things out there that we can use? But when you start looking into it. <coughs> and the size of what you actually need. Um, it took a different turn, And then the cost of it all just, you know, it just escalates to something that made a decision that, for a business side of things, it would make more sense than just trying to do yeah. it for myself. And then this room became available, and it was just a great opportunity to trial it. And so this was last Christmas, and we just got everything going with it. And it's just some piece of kit. You oh, know, it's...
0: Yeah, we've only been here for about an hour or so, but the, the space that you've got here, the setup, is spectacular. Nice. I must say I'm a big fan of the back piece. Yes. Um, uh, very nice view of the 18th of the Old Coast, of the smoking Bridge. So what made you go with that view?
2: Um, working with, uh, there's a local company, John Young Signs. I uh, know John Young quite well, so I just had a good chat with him about putting something in here just to... Uh, be something a bit special. Got a lot of the old sort of winners up there as well. Yeah. I see that, Um actually.
0: Just looking at it quickly, you've got Sandy, Rory, Tiger, Tom Watson, is it? Jack Nicholas, Palmer. Yep. Yeah. So all the, and even a nice, very full size view there of Tom Morris. We couldn't Tom. have Tom not be there.
2: Yeah, I know. Uh, but yeah, so I, I'm just getting the space right. Yeah, and then we've got the Quintic putting system in as well. Which is somehow the Yeah, piece you tried kit. to explain that to yes. you know, earlier, that
1: just That's straight <laughs> in my head. You need know, a physics like, degree
0: I, for that. Yeah, I like to class myself as a bit of a golf geek, but that, that was way too far for me. I might have to
2: put it on for you and just let you see how it works. Um, but yeah, and then from there, we've, we've got a membership running. Um, we've got three pros Kurt and Kudneric, because he's as well getting another bed in here beside me. <laughs> um, and the people that are coming in are just delighted. You know, there's a lot of smiling faces when people come in a lot of different demographics yeah we've got people that are coming in that just can't get around a course anymore so they're getting a full round in delighted in warm yeah. conditions yep never lost a ball no <laughs> wind thank god yep. yeah
1: well i think michael you just said it. it is is great even that the people who maybe can't play it, anymore. this facility yep. is perfect for that and it's, a lot of people don't think about that that type of golf are they
2: and just starting off as well, I've got a few people come in that are just starting. They've got no confidence to go out on a course yet. And yeah, this is a, environment. a big problem yeah. with
0: a lot of new golfers or guys who come to mm-hmm. the game, whether it be from a young age or an old age. It can be quite intimidating to go on a golf course where there's already a very good plethora of members who are already confident in playing good yeah. the game, know the etiquette maybe, and want to get around the golf course in a decent time. There's that intimidation that you think you'll be holding them up so exactly. you don't focus on your own game.
2: So they're it's building that up here. Yep. And then there's people just coming in, they're very social. You know, you can get you can get around in in about an hour on your own. So it's a roughly about an hour per person. So you've not got the full day travel, going to a course. So you, if you're wanting to hover around, you can get in pretty quick in here. So means you can keep your partner happy. Keep the partner happy, yeah, and the kids. Um, and it's open until 10 at night on that as well. So I have got guys coming in. Get the kids ready do they've to do in the house and then they can come in quite late on in the night and still get a few swings in yeah um,
0: so obviously most from my experience most places where they've obviously got simulator involved it's usually the track man or yep. maybe even SkyTech or foresight you've got obviously top tracer and most driving ranges as well nowadays what you've got what's called golf zone so so i've never heard yeah golf zone sorry
2: south korean uh software and it really is i mean from even when i'd used a simulator years gone by the technology's moved on so much um and the reason i, was, I went for this is there's just there's so much more added to this and um, you've got real-time ball flight so likes of the track man there's a bit of a fake ball at the start yeah. before it catches up and um, you've got cameras set up there to to kind of record the swings that you can go and look at there's the hydraulic platform that you're the swing plate that you're on that, that just was really yeah impressive. It just replicates it like all the that. ground contours, and then you've got things like the the sensors are up in the ceiling so they're capturing three different mats so you've got one for fairway rough and and bunker and automatic tees. There's great practice facilities on it, um, so again we've got guys come in they're not interested in playing rounds so they just want to do the practice stuff yeah. and get the data from that. And then there's 239 courses at the moment that you can play from around the world. So it's <laughs> I've only played 50 of them. So far. <laughs> how long you had the place? <laughs> <I> kinda, <laughs> there's some favourites I kind of keep going back to.
1: Old Head of Seals had a few rounds,
2: eh?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Old Head's one of them. You, was, you were saying about the centres, Eric, that they're the same sort of, that they use in Hawkeye. Yeah. It's um
1: the, the it's fast speed sensors. So like Hawkeye. They create a picture, create an algorithm to then match up on the data. So um, it's better, from our experience, it's better from indoor stuff. So TrackMan's good, but TrackMan always underestimates what you do indoors. Because TrackMan essentially is a modified missile tracker. That's what it is. Yeah, that's what it was originally designed as and then in- designed to then track. Face. And it's fantastic, amazing outdoors, TrackMan. It's just not as good. indoors indoors as it is outdoors, that's not to say it's not bad, it's brilliant, TrackMan is fantastic, but from our perspective, in here, and for what we want it to do, that's better, in our opinion, yeah.
0: So, obviously, extremely good bit of kit, I'm guessing extremely expensive bit of kit, how did you manage to get this to all come together then?
2: So... Like, back, my background's joinery, uh, construction, and I got involved in property, had a few properties, uh, just before the crash, actually, and, and I sold one of them to fund us, so just, we used that finance, really, to get just, the dream. Just throw it away from extra <laughs> fair play. <point. laughs>
0: so, yeah. what would you say, then, I'm, I'm going to ask the, the personal question, then, what would you say, all in, you've managed to do this, for anyone who be listening that wants looking, to try and set this uh, up themselves?
2: So About 70 grand far for of this. Which, yeah.
0: Uh... Oh, yeah, as Gareth is just saying there in the background, worth every penny, from what we can see. But I was... <laughs> yeah, well, we might be trying to get a little sleeping bag that we can put in the, in the corner of the room here. Even got a coffee machine, which is certainly good for me.
1: There's a, there's a couple of beers in the fridge as well, actually.
0: You didn't, you didn't hear that? <laughs> They're not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so... What's the the, the long term plan then? Obviously, like you say, you've got people that come here just for a bit of fun. Yeah, you've got a few pros that do coaching here, is it just to keep going in that room. Yeah,
2: we've got uh, at the moment we're looking at a facility just nearby in Resyth, which is going to give us five thousand square feet. So we're looking, so looking you to, are really planning to expand on it. Yeah, as well, looking to get three simulators in, uh, a proper putting studio. Um, also looking at the Zen putting surface. Yep. getting that in. Um, I should have about 15 metres for a chip-and-putt short game, get a bunker in there as well, um, and just really look so to expand big, big it. Yeah, also. yeah, yeah. This was always a test, because I've been completely biased with the whole thing, so needed just to trial it out and see if the interest is there, which it definitely is. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, so that's the plans. Um, and hopefully, while well, everything going well, we should have that in place for the next winter coming up. That's
0: amazing. Fingers crossed so it's impressive that you can expand that quickly as well after only obviously mm-hmm. being a year but the place speaks for itself it's it does well with its self promotion yeah. and obviously social media i see eric promoting yes. himself and obviously the place all the time and like you say golf is such a niche once you find something that you like you will always yeah. go back to it yes, am, yeah. so and obviously if you've got the coaching word of mouth is so obviously, going back to obviously your personal experience in golf, say you're a member at Abadara. How long
2: have you been a member there? So I joined there uh, about six years ago now, and that was my first ever club. Um, I just before, prior to that it was just odd games every now and again. Always really enjoyed the game of golf, but there was a lot of frustration as somebody that's quite natural to things with sports, and that was one that definitely needed a bit of work. So there's, there's that dreaded word of expectation. I had a lot of expectation that I should be able to play this quite easily. Uh, it just wasn't the case.
0: Yeah,
2: it's not an easy game. Nah, at all. Uh, and this is what i found now. So from six years ago, I've been on a bit of a journey with it. Absolutely saturated myself with the golf. And uh, yeah, it's definitely been an education. The pro at the time was David Gemmel. <clears throat> I don't know if you know David. But yeah. uh he kind of took me under his wing uh, for the first year because I went to get fitted for clubs. going to take this seriously. I had a spreadsheet, made that and everything. You went full fit back. <laughs> <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> so he's took one look at me at the first sort of session and went, yeah, we could do some lessons first. <laughs> 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 so I've never had a problem hitting the ball. I could always hit the ball pretty far, but just all over the place. And there's some proper basic stuff I just didn't even know. Didn't even know you had to open and shut the club those type of things so yeah to be fair I, mean, I could have made some easy money off me, the club fitting but <laughs> he uh he done us a turn. and we went out had about three or four lessons i was playing also then three times i was getting in early doors in the morning so i was playing about three times a week which made a big difference so i went from never been under 100 to shooting about 85 which was a massive difference to around the golf for me um, and then when I got my handicap, <coughs> excuse me, it was 16 was my first handicap. um And I've just kind of took it from there. So I'm playing off 10 at the moment, but should have been, yeah. been in single figures last year, but I broke some ribs playing uh, snowboarding. which was- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just yeah. Yeah. So that kind of kiboshed most of the season last year. But uh, this has definitely improved my game. Um, I'm
0: not surprised do you get to get to hit golf shots yeah, all day every long. day I'm hitting
2: balls every single day Um, and where I'm just now is just trying to learn how to play golf I can hit the ball I just need to learn how to it's play the game now yeah. and, and when I do it properly and you know I do like really concentrate on doing that part of it then I'm shooting in the low 70s and it's just keeping the consistency of that because oh, Michael's,
1: Michael's definitely uh a, a three-four handicapper who 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 shoots the worst score that he can. That's not a dig at him. That's actually me paying him a compliment because at some point he's gonna he's going to click yeah. and he's going to go, okay, this is what I do.
0: So you must obviously having that experience of seeing his game. You're just yeah going to be yeah yeah. A we've played enough
1: times point. now to know, and you know we've played a few social events and stuff like that. And when he's relaxed in those events, he hits some proper goal shots, proper goal shots, and he hits it a long mm-hmm. way as well. So it's only a matter of time. Um, before Thanks, all clips. That's true. Listen, I'm saying what I see. So uh, next, yeah. week. I think next week,
2: next week. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll try to arrange it for Saturday for you.
0: Yeah. Well, in that point, then obviously, if if Eric's claiming like he is, and I would got no reason to disbelieve him. If you're at a three four handicap level, even better. Enjoy it while you can, because yeah. while you're at ten now, you'll win a few events. <laughs> you'll get down to three and four, and you'll never win again. Okay, exactly, because it gets harder the lower <laughs> you get, because then you'll have more bandits that lie around the, the course that will get yeah. it for you. So, yeah. you said obviously you've only really been a member at six years before. How long have you played golf? When, like,
2: I think only I picked a club up at about twenty three, something like that, when I had a, I was introduced or invited to an outing. And uh, I'd never played golf before in my puff, and I actually had there was two rounds I played. In the first round, I played kind of cat handed, because that's just how I picked the club up. And it didn't really matter how many times they told me you can't play like that. <laughs> I was just I'm going to show you. So by the time I'd lost all my balls and most of theirs, <laughs> that I was playing. With, the second round, I changed it uh, to sort of normal grip. Um, but I'd be lucky if I played once or twice a year. Um, up until then. There was a small phase where we played a bit more regular um, and I did think about joining a club. I'll not mention which one, but I made a massive mistake in walking in with my hat on into the clubhouse and just about got smashed to bits with this guy and I was like... All things stop. that are wrong in golf clubs at times. <laughs> not for me. Yeah,
0: tradition can be a little yeah. bit of a pain in the ass But
2: it's changed. Times. I think uh, when I went and joined Aberdour I was kind of with one eye on that but actually it's been amazing. I've, I've got... Met some amazing people playing golf. Um, I joined the Sunday suite quite early doors. I was kind of introduced and it's a great bunch of guys that's in that. So there's a few of us. um, We've been abroad. You know, We'd go and play as many courses as we can in a year. And it's just uh, tremendous.
0: Must have a few members that come across here as well. Yeah,
2: there is, yeah. Um, And it's surprising. Some of them took a bit longer to get in. Um, but when they come in, they go, oh, I didn't realise, and I'm going to be trying yeah. to tell you. <laughs> 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 but, so, yeah, and there's some greatness. There's oh, this there's Stuart Nicole John plays at Aberdour. He's, I mean, I don't even know how many times he's won the college legend, isn't he? Stuart, yeah, I think he was leading the open at one point. Wasn't he's, it? yeah, he was a good pro in the 70s, but good um, posty, good see. posty, <laughs> good
1: posty, good poster score. He was listening, what was he, 20 odd time. Remember
2: just, I think there's one missing in a, in a big list but I think it's because he broke his leg someone said that's why I never want go to go beat the final that year <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah.
0: A, sounds like an old traditional golfer where there's there's absolutely nothing wrong in the swing and no hassle it's just tee fairway yeah. fairway green two yeah, putts yeah. off was class still yeah. is to be sure
2: alright gentlemen uh, well but,
0: yeah. that was very much appreciated Alright. No uh thanks for talking to us and obviously thanks for letting us come and sit pleasure in very delightful room. Obviously, we'll do a few posts for yourselves on the social media. We'll give Excellent. Post, uh, Thanks for exposure, but not more than we already get from Eric. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, know like every, every you know post, me. Every second post when he's in the country is for here. Sell the sizzle. <laughs> <laughs> right, so we'll jump back to you, Eric. So, obviously, we've covered a little bit of when you were assistant. Yeah. And that. When did you take the jump then to become a head? So... 2013, uh, or late 2012
1: and 2013, uh, Thornton Golf Club decided that starters were costing them a lot of money, and they wouldn't really get any service for it. Um, and Paul and I went up to the golf club, had a meeting with the golf club, and uh, they, they were quite happy to put us in as, as the pro at the golf club. Uh, Paul obviously had his contractual agreements with burnt island so it made sense for me to kind of take the role so it was still paul's business
0: but um but, I took but you know... got the more experience of the the head of it wasn't yeah
1: you? i became the head professional i thought in golf club so it was the first time they'd ever had a pro in their in their history um and it was brilliant it was a thoroughly enjoyable role um great golf club good bunch of members um huge senior section because the golf club's so flat uh so five pence and a coffee was always a always a uh, traumatic experience when that happened. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just joking. Um, I'm still good friends with all the members and whenever I go back up there, I'm I'm always welcomed. I was there for about two and a half years and thoroughly enjoyed it. We had some good laughs. Um, And it's one of those golf courses, you know, every time you go back and play it, the trees have gotten a little bit bigger. It probably is Fife's tightest golf course. You can miss the fairways either side. But it's so tight the fair we're hitting down. Um and for those who know me know that, you know, my driver's are a bit like a an American tank. The missile goes somewhere in the general direction, but not the correct direction at times. Um yeah, so thoroughly enjoyed my time there. We set up a beautiful pro shop. Um we done, you know, a good amount of business there and kinda left a legacy for the pros that have followed since, um, to create a business for themselves. But What eventually happened was um, the opportunity of leaving, Lynx, came up where...
0: So you came full circle?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the conversations at leaving for... And going back to 2003, had been there about putting a pro in. Again, they'd played starters for such a long time. I love leaving to bits, and and it always needed that to happen. And the conversation came and came and came, and then eventually they made a decision that, yeah, they were going to put a pro in. So I went for an interview um and and i managed to get the job and at the time i have to say it was my dream because i'd been a member there you know my whole life um and for you know everyone who's a golfer probably over the age of 45 had played leaving at some point in their lifetime as well because of the gold medal and the champion of champions and open qualifying and you know, go back to the two thousand open qualifying. We had like Luke Donald, Ian Puller. We had some of the best names in golf playing at our place. Yeah. you know, some, Adam Scott. Course, you know, it really is. we had you know th- some of the biggest names in golf playing golf at our golf course. And qualifying, and then you know Lee Westwood and winning the, the gold medal, and a few other you know a few other players, Monty, and <coughs> it's it was a great, a thoroughly enjoyable experience up until about the last year. Um, for those who know Leave-In, obviously there's two golf clubs. Yeah, you've got the Leaving Golf Society, yeah. and great bunch of members at both clubs. It it just it, it 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 took its toll on me a little bit, and eventually I just kind of felt like it was too much for me. The job was bit too of committee much.
0: Committee politics,
1: possibly. There was there was always politics in the, in the background. Um, I'm sure there's still politics at the moment, um, and. When you're passionate about something and you care about something, you get involved in it. And there was maybe a little bit too much care and passion for me. But what I'm proud of is I left the place in a lot better position when I left than when I arrived. And that then again left the foundation for uh, Wells Green were in for a small period of time. And then the Lynx take the pro shop over themselves. So Chris, who's now kind of director of golf position-ish down there, who's running the whole thing. And it's fantastic. Now, it looks the park. It looks great. And, you know, from 2015 when I arrived, it was always about aesthetics, you know, improving the appearance of what leaving us outwardly because it, it wasn't great. You know, it didn't look particularly good, but now it does. And they've got a fantastic new greenkeeper. Um, he's not new. He was there as a trainee. He learned, yeah. you know, Craig Berry, who was at the old course at St yep. for a lot of years, hugely experienced. But he's just come at the forefront now. and yeah, hugely experienced but a hugely knowledgeable greenkeeper. Uh, his enthusiasm for the job is—I don't think I've met anyone who's quite as enthusiastic as he is. And you know, the the work that he does is tireless on that golf course. He's there at nine thirty in the evening putting water on greens. He's there before the rest of the green staff. He works so hard, and you know, hats off to him. And I just hope that the club clubs and the links support him and keep giving him what he needs to get that golf course because it's a crazy thing to say but it is a sleeping giant it's not a sleeping giant, it's already a giant but because of the way, those it's, who know it, it's, yeah,
0: yeah, but I think like you said maybe that outward exposure uh, it's... and it's always sat in the shadow of its neighbour a little bit
1: London um, and listen, there'll always be you know, there'll always be arguments on golf courses and what you prefer and that's fine and that's great, That's that's healthy um, but Lee just is one of those fantastic golf courses and uh I think the more Craig's doing his job and the more the condition improves the golf course stands then alone on its own two feet and yeah. you know good luck to him. I hope he I hope he gets the support from everyone down there.
0: Yeah, if I if I said obviously earlier that Abadara's probably got the two best opening holes, Leaving Lynx has got one of the best finishing holes in, in Yeah, Scotland. I mean it's what a finishing hole that is.
1: I think for me, I think the last say the last six for me 14 is a brilliant par 4 because it's not over until the hole's finished yeah. you, 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 you've got to hit a good tee shot nowadays with the goss is you know go back to the 70s I think the bounds used to be done the right hand side the 13, 14, 50. you know that, that uh, railway line was OB and it got temporarily removed
0: is that going to come back in when they Yeah, pretty- no, well
1: it's been temporarily removed for 50 years so I don't think it's going to come back in anytime soon but you imagine playing that 15th hole at leaving into a strong westerly, 200 yards, with a pin front right and out of bounds is, you know, 15 to 20 foot right of the hole. It's a scary prospect. And I'm sure guys probably did, you know, aim a little bit left and bail out, yeah. So it's a great finish and obviously 18, you know, has renowned for uh some of the finishes that have happened on it and, you know, it's... One of my friends, Mark Wilson, when he won the club championship at Leavon Thistle in the 90s, I think it was, he hit a shot out of the water and won the club championship. He at held it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, incredible moment there. And I've seen so much happen there. I always remember one of my pros days, um, probably the, one of the busiest days that Leavon's ever had. It was my pros day in 2017. I had 247 people play my pros day. It was four man teams. Obviously one team didn't have the four men but and it went to the last guy hitting the last putt on the last green. It was a four man team better ball event. And uh, James Marshall, Jimmy, hello. Um Jimmy hit a putt from about fifty feet that four feet out was in and it missed. And I went to Facebook live with it, and it was brilliant because you had a putt to win. And it was and that was probably one of my most favourite days at leaving was that that whole day when I beat the pro. Uh, we had everything going free bar. leaving boys, a free bar's expensive, trust me.
0: they must have
1: missed that invite. <laughs> that was a lot that was a lot of alcohol for those boys that day, but brilliant. I thoroughly enjoyed my experience. It was just a shame the way it ended for me. Um and it, that kinda of, that was tough to accept. Um but at the same time, you know, the opportunity then also came up prior to leaving was
0: which was to take over the role of what my mother had been doing for twenty five years. So yeah, that was where we were gonna go next. So obviously that your next venture was.
1: Yeah, so the experience St Andrews is a juggernaut in St Andrews, for those of you who Definitely. are pivoted. they are um, trip, that's where you go Yeah, off. they are amazing. And um, it was it was incredible. So I went for a job interview for a job. Was she on the? But was she, she interview? wasn't doing the interviews. No, it was <laughs> London. It was London that was doing the interviews. And
2: uh,
1: Joe, she got the job. Uh, her commercial experience was fantastic. But Joe obviously also, you know, realised the the experience I had and being a professional golfer that she could she could use me. So she basically said, "I want you to stay as my right hand man, so to speak. You know, your assistant manager, if that's the right job." And it was brilliant, but my mother still worked in the office for the whole summer of 2019. And that was difficult. It was amazing. Listen, imagine working with your mother for a year. You know, it's still difficult because it's still your mum. But it was brilliant. I had a, an amazing summer. I got to learn the role of everybody. I kind of done a little bit of everything that year, that summer. And I met some incredible people. And... It was it was fantastic. My mum retired in December, on the late November December, and, and I'm glad she did. You know she was doing sixteen hour days for twenty years to get that business to where it was and what it is now, and it's a huge business, a huge huge business, and it's going. It's it's now it's now in the digital era. It's it's moved forward a little bit, um, in the sense of how they how they go about their, 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 their processes and stuff. Post-by-Covid, obviously, as well. Um, and my role, really, with that was, was kind of golf ops. So I was dealing with a lot of our golfers. Um, I gave a few lessons. I played with a lot of the players. Um, and we had, you know, billionaires, millionaires, the guy who saved up his whole life, for that experience. And the experience is the best name for it because it, it was totally unique, you know. Um and I, what I loved was people's faces on the first tee in the 18th green at St Andrews. I think that was... Yeah. You see it every day.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's, a f- it's the best way I can describe it is it's the closest an amateur or the average Joe will ever get to feeling like a professional, especially during the 100%. the summer months. You You're on the first tee, you look behind <laughs> you, and they can do anything from 50 to 200 people just because they're there, whether it's for tourism reasons or they're out for a walk if they're locals, and everyone yeah. stops to watch... So you've got that going down the first tee and you've got it coming up the second of the 18th as well, hitting into the green and you'll obviously, if you hit a good shot, you get the the applause. You get yeah, the, yeah, totally. Um, it's, it's the closest thing as amateurs you'll get to feeling like you're... I mean, we could
1: it. all sit here and argue about what's the best golf course and we'll all have an opinion on what's the best golf course. But I, I definitely would, would fight to the death about the best experience in golf. And the best experience in golf is definitely the old course that's at Because there's not another golf course that can make you feel nervous three times. Warm and fuzzy inside. You know, I watched one of my friends, we played in the Father and Son's event in 2019 for the experience. And I invited one of my friends because my dad doesn't play. My mate Ian Moffitt, who was my dad for a week. And uh, (laughs) I still call him dad occasionally. I get a beer out of know. (laughs) And uh, he, we had just the best week. And... I was looking at the book yesterday, funnily enough, and he hold a putt in seventeen, and he's there's this fist pumping moment of him holding a putt for a four net three at seventeen, and it, he's he's got the photograph in his house, and he's still got the book because we get a book of all, the whole experience, and he's fist pumping it, and it's just this iconic moment in his life. Now, Ian has got a hugely successful business, and has been all around the world and done amazing things, and to this day that's still. I won't say to up about the wedding day, but he says that that's the best moment in his life and he and and to be fair he's probably he means it because that's what the old course does to the normal person. And yeah. it does it to you know, you see these guys who've played golf all over the world and get to the first team and they crumble a little
0: bit Well we're, we're sat here now staring at the Sogan Bridge in the background yeah, on that wall and you can say like for you we yeah. we spoke off off uh, before we started this yeah. that You've seen Palmer walk over it, Jack walk, Tiger, Faldo, but you can say that you have made the same footsteps that these guys have made. Yeah. And it's the closest, like, obviously, there are many other courses around the world that you can play, but with the history that St Andrews has, and you can sort of get that much closer yeah. to these memories and that history that's happened there. So, yeah, like you say, the, the experience, be the, best, sport, the, best, eh? the best description is it's got to be the best experience. Yeah. I mean, Old you can't Japan. hire Wembley for a game of football with your mates. You can't go and
1: play tennis at Wimbledon, unless you're a member, you know, you, you, you're you not going to pitch up at Roland Garros for a, a game of X-doubles, so that's what's so good about golf, it's, it's okay. yeah. you can play these.
0: So obviously that was 2019 that you were there, you alluded to it, the big Covid happened at yeah. the start of the next year, and where obviously it hit an awful lot of businesses hard, especially the golf industry, because especially in this country, we're so heavily reliant on the tourism aspect of golf to keep a lot of clubs running, businesses that are attached to it, <coughs> obviously, uh, tour, um, golf tours especially. So you decided to <laughs> leave and start your own business. Yeah, so... Did you have a mental breakdown?
1: <laughs> um. I d- so what, what eventually happened was that Compass, who's the parent company of, of the experience, uh, they obviously had to make redundancies, they had a share price to, to, to manage which was which was fun like a stone. So they um paid off quite a chunk of their staff. And there was one person in our office gonna have to go. And I just took the decision to, to, to take the redundancy because I could I'm not someone for sitting in the house working. I don't know what that feels like. And the rest of the staff are used to be in an office space. For me, my whole life, I've been outside or on a pro shop or on a golf course and stuff. So I spoke quite heavily to my mother because obviously she's got a huge influence in my life. And I just I just said, what do you think? And she said, I would take the redundancy and see if you can go back to teaching. Because you be able to find somewhere in a golf club and see how it goes, and if things pick up again back up St Andrews, which eventually they will, when they have, you could potentially back at the. and my job came up again, you know, maybe a year ago, for someone to take, so. Yeah,
0: as things settled down again, people were obviously trying to get themselves back to where they were pre-COVID. So. Yeah,
1: and I just decided, I spoke to a, a friend who's a pro at a golf club, and the Fife Golf Trust, and I managed to get the practice ground at beef Golf Club and I used to teach there when I was, like, 19 and 20 because I'd done a lot of work for the trust with the schools. So I'd done work at Cowden Beath High School, or Beath High School, and bowery High School when I was there, and kind on of up-and-coming pro learning to coach. So I used to teach at that practice ground, so it was full circle again, and I just started teaching. And because I've been around a long time and I've been at several golf clubs, I had quite a, a decent kind of contact list, so I just reached out to a few people who <laughs> weren't getting coached by the pro. I just reached out to some, and I just started. And I'd done a little bit of work in the pro shop here and there, but not much, just maybe like four or five hours a week. It was just, enough. it was nothing. And I coached, and it went from strength to strength. And then um, one of the guys that works for Michael, um, Kevin, who I know really well, I've known him for 20-odd years, coached his dad, and coached him, said that Michael was, was going to be doing this place um, so we met, you kind know, of October twenty one, I think it was. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, came in. They were just putting the finishing touches to the place, and I think I was quite excited by it because I'd been doing a bit of coaching at Clooney Clays, which was which was fine in the winter, and then we were hit by the lockdown again, um, which was quite tough because I wasn't earning anything then, um, and this place obviously came up and. It was quite exciting because I thought, you know, this place could work. You know, I was, listen, the selfish part of me was thinking, perfect, a place to teach in the winter time that's not minus five. You know, as Michael's, you know, very quickly and smartly pointed out that winter golf in Scotland is brutal. And that's putting it politely. Yeah. And I was listening to another podcast, just quick, quickly going off topic, I was listening to another podcast who were talking about simulators. And they were kind of torn the group. About Sims and what they can do and stuff like that. But for me, I have now taught him one now for 18, 19, 20 months or so. Um, they're amazing and they can help a lot of people play golf who physically can't play. We've had some disabled golfers in here. I had a, I taught a blind golfer in here the other week, which was great, a deaf golfer in here, which was great. So it allows Maybe people who are not feeling totally secure in their own selves go to golf courses, and it's definitely the way forward for Scottish golf. And that to get more, the, the argument that the other group had was that the Sims mean that people just play simulator golf and not real golf. My argument is that Sim golf keeps them playing golf, which means that the real golf then gets bigger when you can play.
0: Yeah, Sim, sim golf. Can give them, like you say, for those who maybe don't have the confidence to go out on course or the ex- like, they go to it for a first time yeah. and want to get the experience of golf. It's a great place to start because it's a more controlled environment. You can learn the basics, the get your foundations, enjoy it, build on it, grow stronger, yeah. and then you can take that to the course where then you will have to learn, obviously, atmospheric. implications on the game and stuff like that but especially with what you guys have got here how you can tilt the mat and that so that can give you uphill lies downhill lies left to right right to left that's a bit more advanced from what i've seen in some simulator areas because it's just a straight flat mat so yeah and they're saying you get this perfect perfect contact perfect lie every time and obviously you've got the different fabric there to replicate sand from the bunkers or and stuff like that so here especially you've definitely got a great setup that you can Sort of you can do it on course lesson
1: depth. here, eh? Yeah. I mean, you can do it on course lesson here, which I've done. Short game, we've got a short game area, so you can pitch, you know, chip bunkers and stuff like that. So it's we can pick every single box. But what we're finding, we're getting a lot of young guys I mean the demographic is huge, but what I'm getting is a lot of young guys and I'm sitting in my shots at the moment, as is Michael, but guys like to wear shots all the time. Especially that you know, 18 to 28, 18 to 30 group love to have a pair of shorts on and a hoodie. And what's better than coming into an indoor environment, which is we we'll try not to get the place too hot because you do get very hot when you're playing, but wearing shorts on a hoodie to you practice your golf and that chilled environment, you know, even when you go to driving ranges in the winter time and you were hitting balls the other day. Yeah, and I, I was at the range
0: on. twice this week on Tuesday and Thursday, and both times I was having to wear about three layers. It's
1: cold. Eh? Listen, there's no substitute for seeing a golf ball fly. There's no substitute for playing off grass. But, the t- but that's the t- a t- very, there. very close second to the yeah. real deal, and and that's where golf has to go. Korea's one of the largest growing, has the largest growth in golf in the world, and we just need to look at how many Koreans are on the women's golf and are coming through on the PGA Tour, and a lot of that is due to the fact that Korea's winters are very similar to ours. The summers are a little bit warmer than ours, but the the weather's similar to ours. So these indoor sims, I, I can't I think the percentage was that seventy percent of people in Korea have hit a golf ball. But only twenty five percent have hit it on a golf course. So but they're all hitting golf inside and on your lunch break you can go and play nine holes, eighteen holes, hit some balls. You know, and for for some people, that's the only time they have, or as Michael pointed out to earlier you know, putting the kids to bed at half past seven eight o'clock. Do you know what? I'm going to go down to the sim and hit balls for an hour. I
0: might what? have to start terminating a few of my trains in the and just. <laughs> so so I don't
2: know yeah. how I get that past work, but it oh, could be a fun oh, phone call.
1: So the coaching, but the coaching side of things has grown arms and legs, and, and it's a it's a it's a it's a chicken and the egg. You know what came first? I think um, this 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 studio has helped me grow my business, and my business has helped probably grow the studio, I think it's worked it's a symbiotic, hand- symbiotic hand- you know, and it's worked really well, and Michael and I have a really good relationship, it's a really relaxed relationship as know, well, I've
0: seen you holding hands and
1: <laughs> well he did invite me to his bed earlier you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think, you know, we've, we've kind of we've we've got similar interests, good laugh and stuff like that, but you know, there's a total respect as well there and you know, the, the, the excitement for me is the plans of the expansion, yeah, because definitely. The one thing I'm always super um, conscious of is that we do have members, and when we get to that typical point in the winter time where you've got, there's only one studio, there's only one hour you can fit in at six till seven, seven till eight. So I'm conscious of not trying to heavily fill the evenings, although there has been times when I have. uh, But the good thing is, I can fill the days, and the days are not quite as busy. Mm -hmm. And then I'm teaching a bit more here in the summer time now and with my relationship now with Kerkory Golf Club where um, I've taken on the role as kind of a tax professional and coach so I, we've got a huge junior section now. Um, I spend a lot of time at Kerkory Golf Club now which has been great, you know uh, the club have been fantastic with me, we've got, they've got good plans for a new practice ground by the clubhouse, four whole course for the kids, heavily invested in in promoting a junior golf, um, and it's been great to see the kids two years ago go from being 8, 9, 10 to 9, 10, 11, 12, where they're now hitting the ball that 150 yards plus. They're now able to play golf in the golf course. You know, they're getting their handicaps.
2: And it yeah, takes me back day, to that and age. And I think
1: time. this is, it's brilliant because it's simple as well. They're we just standing it. Just standing it Back when golf was fun and it wasn't too
0: complicated. Yeah,
1: it's great. and um, and and you know the golf course. It's an old Tom Morris-designed golf course. I'm so not a lot of people know that. You know, it's got a,
0: a good relationship
1: with Tom and young Tom, and it's a fun little golf course. It'll uh, it'll 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 always be a test because of the hills and stuff that's on it. But great finishing holes, uh, and 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 it's been great fun being part of that as well. So
0: how many clients do you think that you've got?
1: I think the last count was. I'm I'm definitely now through the thousand mark. Uh, of, of of clients on my so database expansion can't come quick enough
0: for you. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, I tried to manage my time. Um, you know, I I do have other interests. Uh, I have family. I've got you know time is the one thing. And Michael and I are probably sometimes it's probably more so Michael than me of of working a lot and um, and
0: not taking you personal. Time.
1: Sometimes forget that you've got to spend time. You know with family and with friends and stuff like that and trying to balance it all um because you literally could i literally could teach seven days a week 10 hours a day i could but you've got to manage your time and be it's it's taken me a few years to be comfortable to say uh no i'm off i'll put you in next week um
0: because I think that can only come as well when you get to a certain place like where you are now where you've got such a client base that you you know that there's going to be the time that you can fit them in maybe later on in the week or another day, whereas if you're just starting out, you do every hour in the sun because you're trying to build that client list and you can't, 100%. You can't turn folk away because it's cash
1: And Yeah, and that's that's also part of when you're self-employed, you've you've got to do what you do to, to, to earn does. the money you do and, but it's it's you've got to manage your time better, I, I was really bad at my time management um, and it was always fun Michael would always know the time of the year when I went from outside lessons to inside lessons because I would make some cock-ups for the bookings and it would be, was it up the road teaching or was it down here teaching? and uh, Also, just to add, I want to thank the Fife Golf Trust for letting me use the practice area at me for a couple of years. I no longer use it, Um bit of a conflict of interest. It's been part of another club, so I want to thank them for the, for using that facility because it was great and the guys up there have been
0: fantastic as well. So, sure. so you spoke there as well about other so interests, and this bit just I can't get my head around right why you decided to do this. Don't remember. great experience and opportunity. So, you're doing your coaching, your coaching's going well,
1: <laughs> I know what you're
0: and all of a sudden, you're building your empire with like a thousand clients plus. And then the opportunity comes for you to get involved with the Minotaur which so, takes you out of the country quite a few times. Yeah, so, so the Minotaur thing, yeah, I mean. You just can't still, can you?
1: No, I, I, I had that with a client the other day saying, um, "Do you know how to say no to things?" Eric? You're like, yeah, I do, but you don't. I think. Do you know what I think it is? It's. it's I would hate to be you know seventy retired and say oh, I wish I'd done that. Now the miniature thing came up with so quick kind of go back a few years so twenty eleven. Uh, the Dubai Desert Classic, I went out there to meet some friends of mine from Thailand. John Wither, who's a pro, who's from Thailand, John played in the Open in 95, great golfer. John's in a, a town called Wahin in Thailand, which is a very touristy town now. It's where the king resides in Thailand, beautiful place. And he worked at a golf club called the Banyan, which is beautiful as well, under two guys, Stuart Daly and Stacey. Sorry Stacey, I can't remember your surname, but Stacey, they were the management team there. And they were good friends with Mohammed, who owned the Dubai Desert Classic. He was the one who started it up back in '93, I think. And he also has a booking engine called Golf Citizen, which is a bit like uh, Golf Now in this mm-hmm. part of the world. Yeah, yeah. He has Golf Citizen, which is huge in Asia and the Emirates and stuff like that. And uh, Mina Tour started in 2011 as well with uh, Mohammed in him kind of invited to some, you know, dinner thing in in Morocco, and he decided that he wanted to start a tour for up-and-coming golfers that also included amateur golfers from that country, and he decided it would be called MENA, which means Middle East, North Africa. Quite simple, for a lot of people who don't know, that's what it actually means, and it went from strength to strength. Max Fitzpatrick played in one of it, you know, major champion. Um, several other European tour stars as well, um, and it stopped in twenty twenty COVID. So it, it would have been November. The it was just after Mother and a Half's birthday, it would have been the sixth of November. I got a phone call at four in the morning from Stuart Daly out in Thailand, and it was crazy because I was awake. And I seen my phone flashing, and I was like, oh, Stuart. He's like, oh, I didn't think I'd get you, I just wanted to leave you a message. (laughs) And I'm like, alright, do you want to come to Saudi Arabia for two weeks uh, at the end of the month? Uh, Why? (laughs) And he said, uh, we're going to get Mina Tour started again. The two guys who were running it before are no longer part of it because of the time that it's been off. So Mohammed's asked me... And he's asked me to get someone else on board to help him kinda of, the operational part of it and just running a golf tournament. And he says the, the person that came to my head was you. He said, I don't know why, but you came into my head <laughs> So Did you fancy it? And I was like, Yeah, let's go, let's try it. So
0: Yeah, come on. Had, How long did you actually consider it for?
1: Uh do you know I genuinely I I woke my
0: other half up and
1: asked her and said uh eh, what do you think? And she said, "Why are you waking me up at four in the morning?" And not <laughs> some very nice correct ones, response, you know. And uh, said, "You've got to take it. It's a chat, if and it's a trip to Saudi Arabia, which I've always wanted to go. But you know, it's not. You don't pick that out. I've no chance of go to Saudi Arabia for a holiday. So the next two weeks were a case of get the visa done, you know, get the bag packed, and away we go. And and I was nervous arriving in Riyadh. I don't know why. Just you, you, you listen to That's stories in media. There's a preconception, stuff. isn't there? Absolutely. And I arrived in Saudi Arabia, and I have to say it's one of the nicest countries I've ever been to. And the people were incredibly friendly. And there's no reason why they shouldn't be, but they were incredibly friendly. And we played, our first event was at Riyadh Golf Club, which was a huge golf course, uh, uh, a bomber's paradise, to be fair. Second hole, almost 700 yards, and they were knocking it on in two. Which was quite funny. Um, yeah,
0: but what's the temperature?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was forty four degrees. It didn't feel like it. It felt like twenty five. It was forty four. The sunrises were quite warm. Yeah, and then my first protocol was basically I was rules official, chief rules official. That was my job. Which you know I've, I've got a good knowledge of the rules, and I've had to do a bit of studying over the last six eight months about the rules, which I'm which I'm currently doing more of. But my first job was to disqualify two Swedish boys day one. <laughs> which was which was just a horrible and welcome you'll to the job meet two, and it, it's two of the nicest guys you'll meet and it was a series of unfortunate events that led to it, they they took relief from a bunker that wasn't GUR there was a local rule that said it wasn't but their plane partner who was the third member of the group said oh there's white paint around that they but they didn't need the local rule and there was nothing we could do about it Um so we had to disqualify them, and then, yeah, it was it was horrible. Uh, both guys were fine. <coughs> it was just a horrible first experience, I have to say. Uh, but after that, everything settled down. The first what i am realised now: the first day of any of these tournaments, it's a bit of a a, bit of a Wild West show. It's kind of a bit nuts. Everyone's a bit stressed and a bit highly strong, and then it calms down thereafter. Um, and then the second event was at the most incredible golf course called Dirab, which is about 80 kilometers from Riyadh itself. And uh, the only thing that's entertaining about Saudi Arabia is how they drive. Because I thought Thailand was a bit nuts. But, re- but Saudi was was, was incredible. Uh, yeah, I mean.
0: Yeah, so my, my father. Obviously, we had, we've had him on the podcast yeah. as well, in he worked in Saudi Arabia for two years. And obviously, Gareth and I have sat around the table with him, and he's had the conversations. And they just—they don't care if they live or die. It's the sort nope. of the feeling with it? It's—it's it's obviously part of their culture, their faith. It's just Allah's will. Um, so they just go hell for leather, and what will be, will be. So Stuart, our tournament director, he.
1: Um started life out as a chef you know and a very very good chef at that traveling all over the kind of asia worked in australia at the olympics and stuff and he's been in all these countries and he still said he went that's the craziest experience he's ever had everyone drives at 150 kilometers an hour six inches from the bonnet (laughs) and the bumper and we had a driver that day an indian guy from uh, Kerala, who was brilliant i mean he had the reactions of lewis hamilton um, he
0: must have the experience because India is
1: quite bad as well. Yeah, supposedly. I mean, India is a different experience altogether as well. And we witnessed one, witnessed we thirty crashes that week, and they just stand at the side of the road, swap details, wait for the police to arrive. The police will say, right, you're at fault," and then deal with it and let they go. And it was, and it was, it was, it was, it was quite nerve wracking. And a lot of the time, when we were finished at the end of the day, I tried to sleep on the way back to the golf club because it was quite. And you needed a beer, and unfortunately, you can't get a beer in Saudi Arabia. Um, yeah. So uh, the diet coke didn't really cut the mustard oh. at the end of the day. <laughs> but yeah, Dirab Golf Club for anyone who who you know, I I can't get my head around how the golf club even exists because it's in the middle of nowhere. Um, it, there's nothing around about it. If you look at the geology of the area, it looks like it's an old riverbed or lake of some descript. But we're talking huge, hundreds of miles of us. and there's this golf course sitting. And I fell in love with the place. The sunrise up the top was just an epic, and it was it was brilliant. It was tree lined, so it was like a like a lady bank. But in the desert, it was and you couldn't get your head around how this place existed because it was so different to Riyadh. Riyadh looked like a desert golf course. This place looked like
0: a heathland golf course in Scotland in a desert. Just an oasis of a golf yeah, course. Yeah,
1: just middle and mm. uh, the the green staff were they're bringing water up from like a kilometre under the ground and it's boiling hot water to feed the golf course. And yeah, it was just a different world, and so that 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 first event, I kind of came back from it and, and I said, shoot, sure, was like, how did you feel?" And I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I said, you know. That was good, back to coaching, didn't think anything of it, didn't think it was going any further, and then, six weeks later, we're in Egypt, um, at the Medinity Golf Club, which has to be one of the best golf courses I've ever seen anywhere on the planet, Um, but logistically a nightmare, and the coldest it's ever been ever in Egypt's life, it was like four degrees,
0: I remember seeing your Instagram. You know, you I took three, three pairs
1: of trousers, which I washed constantly. I had to wear all three uh, Tammies and stuff, and it was. But that was a that was a test of our patience, a test of our an ability to run a tournament because we had limited daylight. We had golfers taking quite a long time to get round. The weather was awful, and. It was tough and we ended up having to do in both events at the and of course shotgun starts and buggies to get the guys around on the final day. Is
0: it not three round pumps as well? Fifty
1: four whole events. Um obviously part of our a lot of people know me now because of our relationship with Live Golf, our special relationship. So yeah. Um that's, if you look at the Order of Merit, we have Brooks Skopka at the top of our Order of Merit at the moment, uh, but really the real Order of Merit is a, an Italian golfer called Aaron Zemmer. Uh, Aaron's playing in the Italian Open this week and he's, I think he was plus two through four holes in the final round. They're doing really well. Um, we've got Sam Westwood, Lee Westwood's son, playing on the tour, which is good. Um. It'd be good to see if his dad would turn up for a, for a tournament one day, and maybe have oh, a wee father, the son to live. father son thing. Father son thing, that would be great, you know. Um, but the standard of the tour is ridiculous. The standard is so high, but like in all tours, there's there's probably thirty guys that can win. There's thirty guys that, on their week, you know, can that win. really works together, could win, but they're kind of fighting for the cuts. And then there's the rest of the guys who are who be new to it. Part of the ethos of the tour is we tried to bring in a lot of players from the country that we're in. So, you know, there's not many golfers in Saudi, but we had three or four Saudi Arabians in playing, and we are recently in Malaysia, in uh, Thailand there, and we had 30 Malaysians playing in the event at, at Desaru at the Elves Club, and then we had, I think we had 37 uh, Thai players up at, up at the Royal Wahin um, playing. The goal would be to get a, a local win, you know, um... The, the tour's based, and the base of the tour, the home of the tour is in Dubai, obviously, where Mohammed's from. It would be great to get, you know, an Emirati or, you know, a North African, a Moroccan or a Tunisian or an Egyptian to win one of these events because it would help, you know, based yeah, it would. Um, but the plans, it's quite exciting. I think um, we're hoping to have some more events possibly this year.
0: Because you're not long back after being what was it, out in the country for about three weeks of Yeah, April? it was away. wee... You've the timeline, so yeah, for... you've obviously not been outside in Scotland that much then.
1: I've tried to keep wearing shorts, uh, but it's proven tricky because it's, what, seven degrees or something out there. But, uh, yeah, they're the hoping to have some more events. And then, uh, I don't know yet what the schedule is for 2024, but but the chat is that it's going to be bigger better, and better. So it's a
0: tour just based round about the winter months as <coughs> as we would. Yeah, now. so it, it has been in the past, but I don't think that's how
1: it may be in the future. Again, there's a lot of conversations going on now in the background with powers that be um, that I'm certainly not privy to at the moment. I'll, I get told when I'm told and and that's fine. Um, but yeah, the, the, they want to build the tour up and it sounds quite exciting when it wants to go and you know, that's seven events we've had this year and I've thoroughly enjoyed them, I have to say. Um building a good relationship with I, I I obviously know that my playing days are kinda of past me and behind me. And um, although I'm playing a tournament this week at Royal Montrose <laughs> one of the Tavern Pro Tour events, which will be good fun. Um But getting to know the players I think is really important in the role of being chief chief rules official and part of the operations team because the players will make up your tour and if you can build a relationship with them you can keep them on board yeah um, they they're all very opinionated they've all got their agenda but that's okay i get it you know i used to play so i get that they want to get their points across and most of them it's um it's about trying to keep the costs down for them and and trying to keep them because that's an important part of it as well it's an expensive tour yeah. to play and I'm impressed how we get such big fields depend to you know, when the monies that are involved. But sometimes to make it in life you've got to spend. Yeah, a it'd lot be
0: very it. easy for the like you're saying, obviously the tour being based round about the Emirate countries, North Africa and yeah. you know all that. It'd be easy just to stick to those sort of countries for your players. But you're saying there obviously earlier that there's folk for Sweden turn up and that so Oh it's yeah, I mean obviously the appeal to go and play. We get thirty different
1: nationalities playing on our tour on any yeah. one event. I mean it's 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 it truly is global to be fair i mean from america south america africa europe asia australia um you know we we have a, a huge huge number of countries represented in our tour and it's quite exciting you know and um it's been dominated a little bit by the english guys um although uh the second event in Desaru and the Thai event wasn't won by English golfers, but the first four events, first five events was all English golfers, which is fine, you know, some of the guys hugely talented golfers, Brandon Thompson and Joe Heretti, they're playing uh, Asian Tour and and, uh, Challenge Tour events, there's a few of the guys and been in Abu Dhabi this week, Uh, and these players all want to just move forward. And if we can give them a platform to do that, then it's quite exciting moving forward. So who knows where we're going to go in the future. But I think it's going to get very big, in my opinion. But we'll see.
0: Good, good, good. Exciting stuff. Right, so we're going to come towards the end of the, the episode now. And we mm-hmm. like to round it off, especially when we've got guests doing the quiz, the guest. Yeah. We're going to get you involved in this as well, Michael. So <laughs> I'll fire the questions and we'll get you both to answer okay. So... You. Question one, start with you, Michael. Perfect. Links or parkland?
2: And that's that's changed just recently, because I hadn't played much links, but the last couple of years I have it's definitely links.
0: Eric, links. You were brought up on links; it was yeah, always, always going to be yeah. So question two: nine holes or driving range? All right. So oh, should I, I throw in simulator good. into this one as well?
1: Yeah, good question. Uh, Probably drive range now. He's probably hitting balls, actually. Yeah, yeah.
2: Mine's as two hours on the simulator, then nine holes. <laughs> <laughs> you could do that here. Yeah.
0: Right, question three. This is certainly me at the moment. Fair weather or all weather? I'm
2: definitely all weather. Yeah. I'm, it goes against what I'm doing here, but
1: all weather. I yeah. I eat, sleep, and breathe the game, so I'm I'm
2: all weather. Psychopath. I
0: used to be that way. Too many injuries now. Uh, question four: Stroke play or match play? Uh,
1: definitely match play.
2: Yeah, I to agree with that as well. Match
0: play. <laughs> this will be a long answer. We'll go with yourself first, Michael. So build your perfect golfer from any era with the category of driver, irons, wedges, and
2: putter. Oof.
0: So driver first.
2: Driver. I would go probably <coughs> John Daly
0: with oh, the driver. Haven't heard that that's a driver. That's a great, that's a great shout. Love that. Irons.
2: Irons would be. I would actually go with Fitzpatrick, you know. So, yeah, wedges. Oh, it would have to be Seve. And putter. Uh, Jordan Spieth. Maybe not right now. Maybe Twenty fifteen Jordan yeah, Spieth, that's the yeah, one when I'm, when I'm first
0: thinking of. When <laughs> then Eric Driver. Uh,
1: Driver. Probably Faldo.
0: Okay, irons.
1: Irons would be. Listen, it's Tiger. It's all day Tiger. He was the best second shot. He's just the best iron player that's ever lived. He is. Wedges? Uh, Steve Stricker. Just the best wedge player in the business. He was just ridiculous in his prime. And putter? I'm going to give you two. There's a reason for two. So.
0: Changing, changing the. Uh, sorry, but
1: but there's two different. The clutch Putton would be Tiger because he was clutch. He wasn't the best putter, but clutch button, he was the best. Um. Uh, but probably a, a Ryder Cup Monty, maybe would probably would be one of the best Again, putters. That's a,
0: that's a scenario version. Yeah,
1: it's a difficult
0: one. A I, you know, people.
1: listen. Probably I know a Thabble, something like that. He was pretty awesome in his day.
0: I've got a side note here. I want to put Beth to bed because he's sat opposite me now. He's been quiet. Someone put in that one Adam Scott. Where would you think Adam Scott sits in putters?
1: Uh, I was, sorry, I thought we were talking about dress sense. <laughs> uh, beige wearers. Um,
0: in terms of best putters? He
1: certainly wouldn't be in the best putters.
0: Just wanted to put that one to bed. Thank you very well, much. I've got to have a dig at you. When, when he wins, he puts
1: well. That's to be fair.
0: Yeah. Okay, back to it. Jack or Tiger? Who's the best of all time?
2: A hard one for me because I kind of missed a lot of that. <laughs> but I would say Tiger's definitely been my favourite of all. Uh,
1: yeah, I think Tiger. Tiger's underachieved in his career. I think Jack achieved what he achieved, but Tiger's underachieved. Yeah. Based there's, on his ability. there's external
0: reasons as to why Tiger could be classed as Yeah,
1: he shouldn't be allowed to drive.
0: That way. Or see women. <laughs> controversial. <laughs> Question seven, Masters or the Open.
2: Oh, I'm gonna go for the open. Love the Open For um, anyone
0: if it, for a bit of context here for anyone obviously we don't have this recorded in video, the Masters is on in the background yeah. the yeah. TV behind me in twenty nineteen
1: I'm gonna have to, have to say probably the Masters because it was one of my earliest memories of golf was the Masters. And I and I've been mm. so i I say, love the open, yeah. but I'm the same. I I love yeah. the
0: Masters every time it comes round. Just because it's the start of the season and it still course. should be called the British Open, that's my oh, contribution. No, it's that open. <laughs> <laughs> so, question 8. Favourite golf course?
2: It's actually, the ones I've played is Golan 1.
0: Good shout. Love it. This could be a tough, tough question for you because you've played <laughs> that's a a very
2: lot. tough question.
1: Um. Oh, Jesus. Do you know what? I answer it differently all the time. Um. (laughs) Turnberry, probably as Lynx golf goes, is probably the best I've played. I've played Turnberry pre-change and after change, and it's just awesome. You could talk about Trump Aberdeen being amazing as a Lynx course, it's modern Lynx. Muirfield's awesome. The old course is the best experience, but but um, they need to get that back in the open water because it's just an absolute gem.
0: I know what answer it would have been had COVID not hit and you'd gotten up to go and play Hardfin.
1: Ardfin might have been up there, yes. That would have been a, that would have been. Listen, Dornach and Nairn would be up there as well. Um, I think they're they're both in their own. Right. The only thing that maybe lets Donagh down a fraction would just be the the, the last three holes. Maybe I'm quite as strong as maybe a Turnbury. That's the old, and that's that's been super pernickety If you've played Donner. uh I could rattle off ten golf courses. <laughs> <on> my, <laughs> I <know>. That midanity <laughs> in Egypt was, apart from the four mile drive from the third green to this the fourth tee,
0: uh, yeah, that would be up there. But but definitely, yeah, Turnbury. So pet hate on a golf course.
2: I think it'd have to be. It's really slow play. I don't get too bothered about my own game, but sometimes people just need to get a push on. Especially if it's a four ball. You'll see three of them running and one just doesn't give a shit. It just dawners around them. <laughs> that's the one that's you aim for. <coughs> definitely the one we all aim for. Uh, yeah, I'd say that's probably the only pit hate.
1: Yeah, I think I think quick all in that bracket. Faffers, I call them faffers, the guys who are not ready to play. You know, and I deal with this now in a different from a different angle, I see it from a from a referee's point of view, not a player's point of view, and it's guys who are getting to the golf ball, watching the other two guys hit, then going through the process mm-hmm. to hit. And I, I, I really get frustrated at guys not being ready to play. Yeah, that's my problem. I don't mind somebody being slow. I get slow play. But be ready to play, that's... that's when I
0: think if you're ready to play, that kind of makes the slow play. But yeah. in, its, in a sense yeah. anyway, because like you say, if you're in a three-bowl or a 4 ball and you're watching everyone hit your shot you your last to go, you've yeah. added so much time to that.
1: It's, listen, been, we know that slow play charts all the bandwagon around, but I think just the,
0: the, the factors who take too long, You yeah. need to be ready here maybe. Those who park their trolley at the front of the green when the team's behind us. <laughs> oh, <it>. Yeah, <laughs> I have a <that> discussion <laughs> every week with my newbies. Right. Question 10, last one. Yourself's included in this, but what's your dream football? Oof.
2: Oh, it's Eric Walker. <laughs> <laughs>
0: 50
2: quid is being What was in that coffee? What was in <a> that coffee? <laughs> well, I'd have to think about that one. I mean, I'd love to be Rory McIlroy, Tiger Woods would be definitely too. Um, I'd love to have played with Seve. We could add him past... Yeah, yeah, it's of all areas of golf. So. Um, who else? Definitely, John Daly would be in there again. I'd love to have a round of golf with John Daly. <laughs> I'd that, love that to
0: would... have a, I'd, I'd love to have a 19th hole with John Daly. Yeah, <laughs> I think that would be the. Yeah, John Daly would be the driver of the buggy. Aye, and the supplier of cigars and beer. Yeah, going then Eric. So.
1: I think Arnold Palmer would have been in there for me. You know, I said that long story. I've Arnold, a golf when I was a kid. You know, Arnold's just this charismatic guy. Um, Seve would definitely be in there. I think <laughs> Seve just was an iconic person. And, you know, you could pick Tiger and pick Rory, but he's not everyone's favourite, but I've met the guy several times, and was, it's was one of the reasons why I played golf. Oh, no, I'm going to change it now. Oh,
0: who's it? Who was it then?
1: I was going to pick Valdo Just because I, I loved him as a kid And I just think You know When he was in his prime He was unbelievable But I'm going to change it I'm going to put Brian Barnes on there Who? Brian Barnes Who I just talked about earlier All right I'm going to put Brian Barnes on there Because He was probably The most talented golfer I'd ever seen Up close and personal Even to this day Even at 55 Or whatever he was When he played that day 53 he, he was a different... Class. I mean, anyone who beats Jack twice in a day is up there for me. So you are. Certainly. That's a, that's a very different ball to probably what people might think. I love Rory. I love Tiger. They've done so much for the game of golf. Um, but no.
0: Yeah, but there's, like you say, there's different reasons for why you pick who you pick. I think
1: just golfing with Arnie would be great. I think he's got a story for everything. He'd be, he'd be great to sit in. I probably wouldn't have a goal shot because I'd just be fascinated by him. And Seve would be all over the place, making threes and fours.
0: Yeah, that was the best thing about Seve. You knew he was going to be wild off the tee, but it was just going to be so exciting to watch how he yeah. got to the green. But you there. knew
1: it was like it was. It was just like an exciting movie. Seve, he just he, there was never a. You know there was it was like a Fast and the Furious movie almost. You know <laughs> there was never a a quiet scene. It was just constantly gung ho all the time. And, yeah, all Right.
0: Answers, boys. Well, that brings us towards the end of the episode. It's been great to have you both. Thank here. you, it's been fairly enjoyable. it's been, been, well. totally it's enjoyable. been great. Good chat, um, good fun. As always, at this point, we like to say thank you for everyone who tunes in, who's continued to tune in, who gets in touch with us on the socials. Gareth's gonna finally speak.
1: Cool, boys. Thank you very much. Yeah, what we'll do as well, Five Golf Studio social media will target in yep. the podcast description along with Eric's two Instagram pages that he's got. Just, just do the one. Which ones? What's the name of of that again? There we go. Thank you very much. So put that as well in the description of the podcast and uh, any links in that as well. Put that in too. And again, if you get a chance, to come down here. Please book in and take an opportunity because the place is unbelievable. eh? Yeah, unbelievable. Thank you again, guys. Honestly, appreciate it. No, thank you. It's been good fun.
0: And as always, we shall see you next week.